Welcome to Beyond Sunday. I'm Steve Engel. Normally sitting in this seat is Chris Stockhouse, who conducts these interviews. But Chris, you preached this weekend, and uh, you did a great job. We're here with Diane Rutledge, one of our campus pastors out at the Brentwood campus. And uh, how'd you feel? I felt good. I had fun. Like, it was more fun than I thought it would be. Like, even the process of writing it was energizing and having to sit with the Holy Spirit and what do you mean right. it was more it was fun. fun than you thought it was going to be? I thought it was, <laughs> like, I've always kind of thought about preaching as, man, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, like, I haven't been that eager to dive into it. But as I was, there was a few moments where I was writing where I just I just felt a tremendous amount of energy and excitement about what mm. God is saying to us and um, what our job is as Christians, the one job that we have, the yeah. one command that we have to, like, it just was, it was really energizing for me. So it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciated how you walked us through Galatians 5 and the words that Paul use, uses in that passage are so pointed and so mm-hmm. clear and so direct. And you did a great job kind of processing all of that for us. Would you say that Galatians 5 and working through that is a part that energized you? Or what, what about this sermon would you say that's the thing that got me all fired up? Yeah, I mean, f- for me, it was like I was like God was ministering to me. You know how that you've mm-hmm. talked to like everyone who's who's preached has talked about how as they're studying, they're just like receiving instruction Mm -hmm. from, from God and from the Holy spirit. And so like, just go, like I knew the one command principle of the new covenant of love others, but to understand even further was just, just really helpful for me in a way where I've even, there's like moments in my day where I'm approaching that moment differently because Mm -hmm. I studied for this and then I taught Mm -hmm. this. And so it's, it's affected me personally. So that was cool. It's great. Yeah. It's the best Bible study. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to focus a little bit on the three difficult dynamics that you brought up because I think there's a lot more to unpack there through um, just what that might mean for us or how we might wrestle through that as followers of Jesus. And even when we look at people looking at us from the outside, so much of what you process through there is vital for us to understand and at least work through and wrestle through in order to present the Jesus that we all know and love. And mm-hmm. I think some of the stuff that you talked about, the first one was was freedom, and you referenced verse 13. And verse 13, for those of you that need a little refresher, is you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Mm-hmm. Um, Diane, when you think about freedom, what, in light of this and in this context, what what jumps out at you? Well, I think that for me, freedom is one of those things where um, I didn't grow up in the church. And so I always thought that Christians didn't have freedom. Hmm. It's one of those things where it was restrictive. And then I met Jesus and I realized that I had been living in oppression, that I had been living in slavery and that stepping into a relationship with God was actually the most freeing thing that I could do, that all the things that I was wrapped up in were actually causing me to live in slavery. And so that's what kind of to mind for me, that that true freedom in Christ is actually just an awakening. Um, when you, like, yeah, when he saves you, you just you get a new set of eyes where you can see the oppression that mm-hmm. you were living in. I'm glad you brought that up because when I think about slavery, like going from slavery to freedom in mm-hmm. Christ, it's it's leaving old covenant things mm. of things that I was taught in church yeah, growing up that were sure. that were a mindset of of rule following. And so that mm. that's the the slavery that Paul's talking about in Galatians is that like the old covenant totally like following the rules slavery. Mm-hmm. But your slavery is just as real. Right. And there's so many people in our church who 
their slavery is the, the things of the world that have ensnared them and become their idol and mm-hmm. become their whole focus, which is a, a form of, of spiritual bondage and slavery that, so it's like we're leaving slavery from both directions, Absolutely. entering into this freedom in Christ that mm. is so amazing. Mm-hmm. With that though, and you brought this up in the sermon there, when you hear the words free, the word freedom, a lot of people get a little nervous about that because all of a sudden you start going, wait, wait, wait. If we're going to say freedom, then is everyone allowed to just go mm-hmm. and sin and do whatever they want and they don't have to live under any sort of um, requirement or or obedience to God? And you unpack that by, by sharing verse 13, but um, maybe do you want to talk about that a little bit more? What does it mean to live in freedom but also not to indulge the flesh in your freedom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the freedom that Paul is talking about is a freedom that only you only achieve that freedom if you're loving others. That's the only place where that freedom is found. And so if you're not loving others, you're actually, you're not going to find freedom. And like you may think it's freedom, but you're actually going to begin immediately living in sin if you're not loving others. Mm-hmm. Like the loving others is what makes the freedom mm-hmm free. Mm-hmm. And so if you're truly, if, if freedom is subservient to loving others, you, there's no danger of it being a slippery slope that's going to lead into a whole bunch of sin because it's it's bound by the guardrails of loving others. So when we ask the question, what does love require? If, if we discern it properly, depending on the Holy Spirit, and we get the answer of what love requires, and then we actually do that, it's impossible to sin. Mm. Now, we're going to screw it up and sin mm-hmm. because we won't do it perfectly or we'll get the answer and then be like, eh, I don't really want to do that. Like, that's a lot of work. And so we'll sin. But if, if we truly ask the question and we discern it properly and then we do what we're supposed to do, we will not sin. Mm. Like, there, there is no slippery slope with that freedom. Yeah. It's when it steps outside of, of loving, the context of loving others that mm. we get into all sorts of trouble. Mm. So one of the things I mentioned was what we should be afraid of is living a life that doesn't love others is when sin begos, begins to go crazy. We begin mm. living a life of sin when it's not about loving others. It's mm-hmm. not about the freedom that causes us to sin. So one of the ways I've been thinking about that, I, li- I like how, how you're talking about sin because I've been thinking a lot in light of this conversation we've been having over the last, what, four or five weeks now, is that sin, I can't think of sin outside of it hurting someone else. Like sin always hurts someone. Mm -hmm. So if sin always hurts someone, then this what does love require conversation and this what does love require question gets even more tangible because I know what would hurt someone. Mm. So I know what not to do. Mm-hmm. Like, would that hurt somebody else? Well, would love love would probably honor or respect or bring dignity or freedom or mm-hmm. um, clarity or wisdom or compassion or kindness. Like, those are the justice, mercy. Like, those are the things that we can we can balance. And sin causes pain for someone else. And so, when I think about it, just to take it even a little another step further, um, is is my action going to hurt someone else or not? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helpful. Yeah, that's very helpful. For sure. Yeah. Um, one, one, of the, one of the things I love about this question of what does love require is it, it, it's what does love require of me, mm-hmm. right? So it, it takes, it removes the judgment because 
you, when you ask what does love require of me in this moment, in this situation, you have to process all these factors that come into play right. of what's the context of the situation, who's mm. involved in the situation, what's mm. the background of that person in the situation, mm. do they have a history with this, do they have a history with abuse, have they been affected by that? Mm. And so the answer of what lo- re- requires is dependent on all these variables of the context of the situation. And so you really just, you, you need to concern yourself with what does love require of me in this moment. And, and it really focuses you in on that. But the rule book does is it, is it tends to point your direction mm-hmm. at, it, it creates this, this mindset of judgment right. where you're looking at other people mm-hmm. trying to identify who's in, who's out, who's following the rules, who's not following the rules. And this question gets our mind off of that because of all those dynamics at play in any situation, you can't look at another person's situation and expect to know all the dynamics at play in their situation. Mm-hmm. You have missing information, so you don't know if they're doing what love required or not, and it's not your place to judge that. Right. Like, right. you have no idea all mm-hmm. those different variables going on because you're not in their shoes, you're not living it. Yeah. Right. I love that so much. I love that this freedom that we have frees us up from judging other people, and it allows us to be in community with people. I think that the currency of heaven is brokenness, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like when we realize our own brokenness and that Christ gave us freedom, it gives us the ability to love other people without this judgmental mindset. And I love that perspective of thinking, I don't know what that person has gone through. I don't know the hand that they've been dealt, but God does. Mm -hmm. And God absolutely loves them. And that's what Mm. I'm required to do Mm -hmm. is to love them in this and to not ask all those questions and fill in those blanks for them, but to meet them where they're at and to remember our own brokenness. The Mm -hmm. currency of heaven is brokenness. That's Mm -hmm. what God um, did for us. Mm -hmm. We don't come to him and prove ourselves after our salvation, right? It's just this process of continuously reminding ourselves that we are broken and Christ died for us Mm -hmm. and we get to live in that freedom. So we offer that to other people. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, let's let's move because I think these two things overlap, freedom and then the the gray that you Mm -hmm. mentioned because black and white with the list of rules is pretty easy. But even if we have a black and white list of rules, there's always gray that comes from that. And there's gray that we lean into when we talk through what love requires, because what love requires of me might be different than what love requires of you based on what you just said, mm-hmm. circumstances, situation, all the, all the information, all the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, what's some of the, what's, give me some more of the gray that you're, that you're referencing. Yeah, here. well, this, the, the gray is what causes, um, the gray is so uncomfortable. It causes church people to, to create lists of rules. And not, not necessarily even go back to the old covenant rules, but we create new lists of rules mm-hmm. because we're so uncomfortable with the gray that we feel like we need to black and white it. And so we, we start making up rules that oftentimes aren't even in scripture, but they're kind of cultural things in the church where we feel like, eh, that gray is uncomfortable. What if, what if someone discerns wrong? What mm-hmm. if they like, mm-hmm. we don't want them to discern wrong and start doing the wrong thing. And so we need to discern for them. Right. for everyone and just create a rule that's black and white. And then mm-hmm. we get right back into the same slavery, the mm-hmm. same trap of, um, of each person, not depending on the Holy spirit themselves mm-hmm. to discern what is love requiring of them, but then depending on someone else to do mm-hmm. that work for them. Someone else who doesn't know the context of the situation mm-hmm. that they're in. Right. And it's really fear based, right? Like we really, we fear that God can't influence and help somebody to make a bad or to make a good decision. Like we, we want to be able to have like, this black and white list because the gray area 
allows too much freedom is right. go, to go back to what we were talking about. And so when we um, make these lists, we're like, we're fearful that God can't actually help that person if they make a wrong decision mm -hmm. or if they discern incorrect. It's like God can redeem that too. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to worry about like making a wrong decision. It's like, no, God and the Holy Spirit lives inside each believer. And so we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to do his job. Mm -hmm. That's not our job to create mm -hmm. these lists. Well, yeah. I think too, it's like, I think from an outside perspective, looking at someone else that's wrestling through the gray, if one believer to another, if I see you wrestling through something that's gray, and if you decide something that might impact something different than what I, than, than what I have decided, then either A, I have to say I was wrong mm -hmm. for a Lar large portion of my life or however long I believe that thing or B I have to um, really wrestle with the fact that maybe you're right and that I can that that's now okay for me or C I have to figure out what does love require of me in that specific situation and mm -hmm. I think so often we're looking at how are you responding how are you responding Mm, that's going to inform how I respond mm -hmm. where it's like maybe because of that circumstance the Holy Spirit's working and moving differently in me than than the Holy Spirit's working in you. And I think the other interesting thing too is you talked about what's comfortable and what's not comfortable when it comes to the gray. Mm -hmm. Just to do a little assessment here, when it comes to your walk with Jesus, for both, I, would, I want all three of us to answer this. What, how comfortable are you when it comes to your faith living in the gray? If you're being honest right now. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable than most. Like I'm fairly comfortable in the gray. Like you prefer it. I think personality-wise, um, I I'm curious. I like asking difficult questions, and I like, like I'm a, I'm a debater mm -hmm. in my personality, like my mm -hmm. personality type. So I love seeing other sides mm -hmm. and kind of wrestling through multiple perspectives and learning all sorts of perspectives mm -hmm. and wading into that. Like, I I tend to enjoy that. But I have people close to me that are the exact opposite personality type where. Mm -hmm. Gosh, it's so hard for them, and I—I I mean, I empathize with that because yeah. they—they're wired a little bit differently, and so they're going to approach these things and maybe struggle in different ways than, than I would. Yeah. How about you? Are I'm you? the same as him. You're, yeah, I'm totally okay with waiting in the gray yeah. and challenging um, the status quo and just like the normal train of thought. We've always done this. That's why we do this. I'm like, why? Why mm -hmm. do we do this? And allowing us to have those questions and to go to those areas. But again, I don't have any baggage from church and mm. so when I met Jesus I feel like um, yeah I just don't have a lot of the old covenant baggage with me so for me it's That's just a not a question of God is bigger than all of this like he he can handle doubt he can handle questions he can handle issues um, we're just as broken now as we were when Christ died if not more and so it's like Jesus is just like yeah I'm, I'm here for you guys mm. so it's interesting. So I, I think I'm I'm like you guys as well, which is a bummer. We should have had someone on here that <laughs> yeah that is more of the more of the personality type that would struggle in the in the gray. Um, but I have had a lot of conversations with folks in light of this series, and it's been interesting to see a couple things. One, even people on our staff who are who are more like the black and white thinkers, and mm -hmm. they just the gray is uncomfortable for them in any situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think everything belongs. There's a place for every person. And so, the other the other side of that though is uh, when when we look at people who have that old covenant baggage, like what you were just talking about, there are individuals at our church that are wondering why why we have to constantly say if you're struggling with this, or maybe mm -hmm. this is difficult for you to process, or mm -hmm. uh, because they're like, yeah, I don't have any of that. Mm 
Right. But there are people that, like I said, you might have to de- detach or deconstruct or maybe try to figure out how to reconstruct 40 years of what you understood from, from mm-hmm. Scripture and how to how to read it and understand it. So Right. And that affects how you interact with God mm-hmm. because we've been if you have this mindset of I can prove myself to you, God, like I can prove my righteousness, I can prove that like I'm worthy of your love. Um, I feel like that's kind of what's happening is you have this sense of like, oh man, like I really am just accepted like right now as I am a hundred percent. That is hard because I like being able to prove my worth. I like being able to show you that I've done a good job um, when that was never what God intended for us anyways, which Mm -hmm. is why he gave us Jesus. Yeah. Chris, what would you say to someone who's probably more like the personality type that is more comfortable in the black and white? What would you, how would you uh, encourage them while you, you said you're empathetic for Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say um, trust, trust the Lord. Jesus, Jesus um, is our model for what love looks like. Um, love is not a, a free-for-all. Everyone gets to define love how they want. It's been defined for us, and it's a mm. person. Mm-hmm. Love is a person. And so you don't get to make up your, well, this feels loving to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's fixed. It's absolute. It's defined. It's Jesus. And he modeled what it looks like, um, most specifically on the cross. But all his actions before the cross were him modeling what love looks like. And he was harsh, and he was kind, and mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. compassionate, and he was angry, and he was like... He's, he's giving us a full expression of all the components of love. And so as you wade into the gray, you're not wading into the unknown, even though some things are unknown because Christ hasn't revealed his, the full character of God to mm-hmm. us. And so there's things we don't know. And you could wade into that, but trust the Lord that it's not going to, you're not going to wander into like this faithlessness mm-hmm. right. and, and Jesus is not going to let that happen to you. Like. It's mm-hmm. kind of like going all the way back to week one with the Jenga blocks that Madison yeah. was pulling on. So yeah, you just said something interesting too. You said uh, love has been sh- love has been exemplified for us, and we've seen it. We've seen the person, and then how that person mm-hmm. proved their love. And I think you were talking John. You were in John thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, 15 mm-hmm. to to um, in the sermon this weekend, and. In John 15, Jesus says, there's no greater love than the one who lays down his life for his friends. Mm-hmm. You're my friends if you keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. And then later would say, my command is this, love one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it plays in really well with the last thing that you brought up, the last dynamic, and that is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And the sacrifice that um, we have to make and the sacrifices that mm-hmm. uh, love requires of us. Mm-hmm. So That's the hardest part for me as I'm going through this I'm waiting in the gray I'm cool freedom okay sacrifice Mm. it's going to cost you something to love Mm -hmm. people and I think that that's where it's easier to have a list versus doing life with somebody and it actually costing you time energy resources treasures Mm. and I think that that's the biggest one that I struggle with as you were going through this sermon that hit me yeah I mean like even once my boys wake up like I got to get them to school. Like I have to give up everything about myself just Mm -hmm. to like serve them and get them out Mm -hmm. the door in the morning is like not to like trivialize this, but even the little things of, I need to wake up at six because my boys wake up around 645. I like literally need that, like a half an hour space Mm -hmm. of like, okay, God, I'm like, (laughs) you're with me. 
let me read a scripture. Let me pray for a little bit because if I don't do that, like I'm, I don't want to sacrifice my time, like, and give up myself even for that hour to get them out the, like, it's just like every little thing requires. It's amazing when you're, when you're really thinking about, okay, what does love require of me right now? It's like, well, everything I kind of want to do, I don't, get to do mm. because love requires me to do this and it's not that you don't ever get to do like we we get to do things that pour into ourselves mm -hmm. and fill ourselves but so i don't want to like take that to a string but mm -hmm. it is but it is constant like it's, it's funny that you brought up your kids because i think we we all have kids so i think it's easier for us to go yeah well we know what love requires of us when it comes to our kids let's take this another another and it's still difficult it's like dang i gotta not do anything for me right now mm -hmm. take it to another level when we go back to some of the stuff we've unpacked when Jesus talks about neighbor and people we interact with is that even interact, even love would require of me, require sacri sacrifice of me with them. Mm -hmm. Like with those people who I may not like and may not like me very much. Right. That's, that's not a, an easy sacrifice to make, but to your point, the abundant mm -hmm. life that comes from that mm -hmm. um, is not something to, to like turn our heads to. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Right. It was the joy set before him. You said that, mm -hmm. you know, and so his sacrifice turned around to joy. Mm -hmm. And I think that we experience that same thing, but we don't believe it when mm -hmm. we do it. We're like, if I love my enemy, am I really going to experience joy? Like, mm -hmm. is that true? And so we have to step out in that faith and trust that, no, Jesus led by example in this. This leads to abundant life. Mm -hmm. This leads to joy. Yeah, that was such a good verse. For the joy set before him, he endured. Mm -hmm. Like there's... Mm -hmm. Right. There's sacrifice riddled in that, and yeah, it was great. Mm -hmm. um, any uh, closing thoughts from either one of you? Um, I was really hoping you just go, nope, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we're good. Um, do you want to, we can talk a little bit more about the um, the love God, love others, and the, the, the tension that I didn't get into in the sermon around that, mm -hmm. because we, we did hear from a few people of like, yeah. okay, is loving... The emphasis on loving others, it's that Jesus emphasized, Paul emphasized, the apostle John emphasized the one command is to love others. Are they just neglecting? Are they minimizing the love God? And I, and I talked about that, but I didn't mm -hmm. get into the tension of it, mm -hmm. of like how some people are wrestling with that. Because for, for a mm -hmm. lot of us, especially me growing up in church, love God was such the higher of those two greatest commands. Like mm -hmm. it was mostly about love God. And then if you stumbled upon someone in need, yeah, you should mm. love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. But really the Christian life is love is love God. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, but what's so confusing for me and what I had to wrestle with is like, when, as I really study the new Testament and all these verses where they're saying there's one command, it's to love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I don't know how I skipped over that so many times. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. Do you want to? I guess we are talking about that. Since yeah. I, there. I mean, we, we have to know the uh, <laughs> no, I think the, the interesting thing is, yeah, I got a little bit of feedback about this after my message. And this is one of the main things people were wrestling through last week. And that is uh, that that we would combine the two of them and they wouldn't be separate and that loving God wouldn't be the priority. But they ca they can't the the key that we have to understand they cannot be separated from one mm -hmm. another mm -hmm. you can't love god without loving neighbor and you can't love love neighbor without loving god mm -hmm. like these two you, you don't know like john writes this you don't know love if you don't know god mm. if you don't know god you don't know love like it's mm -hmm. they're it's so mm -hmm. interconnected and we can't separate the two they can't be you can't uh, disassociate them from one another 
Mm-hmm. It's vital for us to understand these through the lens of they're the same. Yeah. Like, and it's nuanced and complex that way, but mm-hmm. God's a big God, so he's probably pretty nuanced and complex. Yeah, to me, it's kind of just semantics. Like, I don't think it's it's something to really get hung up on. And I, and I get why the people are wrestling with it, but it does not minimize love for God. I, and it, I think it maximizes our love for God when you, when you unite those two mm-hmm. together. It empowers us to love God more. And um, it's, it's actually like, I think when they're saying love your neighbor is the one command they're they're saying love god they're also saying it's in there it's embedded in there mm-hmm. because the two can't be separated and so they're just they're kind of being more concise with mm-hmm. it by not saying both mm-hmm. th- both things because it's kind of redundant to say love god love neighbor right because they're they're one and right. the same and even that like is like for some people cuz mm-hmm. I, I i need to, people need to sit with that mm-hmm. yeah. explore i think that, that a little bit. one thing it's it, when they hear that love God and love your neighbor are one, but loving people is is like really how you show that you love God. Right. And so I think that where maybe I could get hung up or someone could get hung up is like, well, what about the spiritual disciplines, right? And you had us go through a list last week of mm-hmm. the spiritual, yeah. like what do you do to prove that you love God? Mm-hmm. And I read my Bible and I do these things. But if we go back to this question of what does love require, sometimes love requires that you get into the word because you need to know how to interact with people you know, you need patience, mm-hmm. you need guidance, you need wisdom and discernment, and you get that through the Word of God. So we're not saying, like, you're throwing out all these other things by just loving mm-hmm. your neighbor. Those things are going to be a part of what does love require. Mm-hmm. Love Absolutely. requires me to do these disciplines in order to love people. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Which one, and, and I had a conversation with one of our wiser people at Cornerstone. When did we talk? No, it wasn't you. <laughs> oh. was it was it actually, actually, I was talking to John Gilpin, who's... <laughs> Been yeah, yeah, he for a while. He's yeah, way you, you But John said, I loved the question of what's your motivation? Because mm. if your motivation behind those things is to make sure you're moving up God's list, mm. yeah, then it's not. Right. That's not loving God. That's right. loving self. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you're loving God, if you're reading your 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 Bible, if you're reading scripture, if you're if you're praying, if you're volunt- if if it's for someone else, right. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, you're loving God because you're loving others. Absolutely. So what's the motivation? Yeah, and He's going to fill us with that desire. So yeah. if we connect with Him, we're immediately going to think about, oh my gosh, how can I love the people around me? It's just mm-hmm. going to be this transi- transactional experience where we love you, God. Okay, good. Love this person mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. because you're in my hands and feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's good. Yeah. I think it's time for you to end this. Like you've let it kind of linger on a little bit. As I actually tried to end it, and, and you were like, of like the <laughs> I don't feel good about letting someone <laughs> else do the interview question. So why don't we bring up this one more thing? <laughs> All right. Hey, next week is the last week of our What Does Love Require series. We're getting into Philippians the week after. So hopefully you'll be around for that eight-week series. We love you guys. Thanks, Chris. Great job, Dan. Thanks for being here. Have a great one. Love you guys.